93.7 Express FM. Hello and welcome to another coronavirus special podcast. On the show this week, we spoke to leader of Portsmouth City Council, Gerald Vernon Jackson. We were also talking about how uh, St. Vincent's Sixth Form College over in Gosport are finding alternative ways to promote their open days. We spoke to the principal, Andy Grant. And then a little bit later on the show, we hear from local businesses across Portsmouth, including Gunwharf Keys, The Wine Bank, uh, Angel Eye Care as well, all about how they have reopened their shops this week or whether or not they have stayed on throughout the pandemic. We'll be hearing from local businesses in the next 45 minutes or so. We'll get a local sport update from Henry Deacon as well when he was on Portsmouth Breakfast this week. But we will kick off the show with talking to our first guest, which was leader of Portsmouth City Council, Gerald Vernon Jackson. I want to come on to uh, the the small businesses that we're going to be talking to later in the show yeah. with you in a second and also uh, some movement by the government that we've seen in the last couple of days but but as I mentioned at the top of the show it, it's been 12 weeks, it was 12 weeks yesterday since yep. we experienced our first day on lockdown and it feels this week like a lot of people have been sort of reflecting on the last few months and, and sort of taking a step back. How would you reflect on the last 12 weeks? What's, what comes to mind? I think the ways in which people have worked um, we've seen that we can do it differently so normally we'd have 1,300 people working in the council offices in Guildhall Square. We're operating with 250 in the building now. So I think we, in future, at the council, will question whether we need as much office space. And I think many other people will as well. I haven't been to the council um, for 12 weeks. So for three months I've been operating entirely working from home. Now, I don't think I'm doing any less. I'm just doing it differently, and that might mean that that we do we learn uh, about how to do things differently. Uh, I I don't go to London meetings anymore. I can join them by Zoom. Why waste a day going to London, two and a half hours each way, two hours for a meeting, a whole day used when I can do two hours on Zoom and save the rest of the time. Are you can are you content though? Because a lot of people have said, you know, oh, we've got loads of people that can work from home, and, they, and we can work from home. But are you content, and are you happy doing that? I think I'd like to see people sometimes, but but I I, I used to leave home at eight in the morning, um, and sometimes get back at eight or nine at night. Hmm. I, I don't think I need to do that anymore. Yeah, that, and, and, I, and I think. So, so I, I think we can all learn from this and learn to do things differently. I, I can't remember the last time I filled the car up um, with fuel. Uh, well, uh, we've seen that. That's reflect, very reflective in fuel prices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't even know what the fuel what the fuel prices are nowadays uh, because yeah. I haven't filled up for months. Yeah, I I do I I I do wonder though for you know I mean as, as someone that spends a lot of time travelling for for my job I I enjoy that that aspect of my work I really I really live for for travelling seeing people and being sociable you know sort of going to different yeah. events and things like that I, I wonder I I I do worry for people that maybe will be told by their employers to to you know stay at home and and keep working from home because it's cheaper and you might as well uh, as to you know and how because people are restless already and it's only been you know three months and, and i think it, you're right that that human interaction is important um mm. and and i think for quite a lot of people it'd be nice to go back to work and see people but i think there'll be a lot of people who say yeah i can do that two days a week but three days a week i'll do it from home mm. 
Let's move on to uh, what we've seen over the last few days um, in Westminster or <laughs> from home in Westminster. Um, we, we've seen the free school meal U-turn um, by the government. That's yep. the second U-turn we've, we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Of course, there was the NHS yep. surcharge for, for foreign health workers uh, and now school meals. I, I, is it something you welcome, I assume, yesterday? Oh, absolutely. And they were, the government were nuts not to do it. I just think it reflects the fact that the government ministers tend to have very little connection to reality. Um, the, the, real lives don't really mean much to them because they're all so separated out. But why does it? What? Why does it take? A pre, you know, I, and, I, and I said this yesterday on the show. Why, it's not just. It wasn't just Marcus Rashford that generated change yesterday. But why does it take what it took yesterday to to, to see the change? I'm partly because I suppose we're a society now driven by celebrity, and, and Marcus is a great celebrity. And partly because this needn't have been a fight. Um, anybody with a political nose could have seen this was going to be a big problem, and they should have made this decision weeks ago, but, but ministers got stubborn. Um, and it took the intervention of somebody like Marcus Radford to, to make this happen. So this should never have been a problem. Um, it, it, it was always going to be something the government were going to lose on. So it would be much more sensible if they'd given away gracefully without anybody noticing. Just, just reminded me, talking about this, that I, I, when, when this all started, I remember the Portsmouth City Council set out a 12-point a, a plan. Yep. And I remember that one of the points there was to do yep. with free school meals. And, yep. and um, well, I, I'm, I'm just trying to... I'm, I've been caught but off guard here a little try, bit. We try to make sure that people got free school meals, um, even if they weren't at school. But that was so. That was down to you. That wasn't down to the government then. And no, what's... The thing that we we wanted them to do, and we were. We, I'm glad the government came on board. But with so many of these things, we would have done them if the government said that we should do it or not. So even so, if if what had happened yesterday hadn't happened, Portsmouth City Council still would have would have provided free school I, I think meals. we were always of the view that they were going to give way on this. So um, uh, it, it was just so plain, plain obvious common sense. If, if they had stuck to their guns and become really stuck, stuck their head in the sands, we would have had to step in and do it. But but I think we always thought that they would eventually just be pushed into it. Mm. Let's move on to, uh, as, as we do every single week, chop and change subjects as we try and get through as much as we can. Let's move on to the uh, the reopening this week of non-essential shops. Uh, plenty now, of. Were you queuing at Primark was it... at six in the morning? You know me so well, Gerald. <laughs> no, I, I I was not. I woke up and and one of the first things I saw was was these photos of of people and that that to be honest was the first thing that made me think that attitudes are changing. People are not as worried anymore because a few weeks ago you'd walk into yeah. a supermarket and and everyone was on edge. People don't seem to be on edge at the moment. And and let, let's let's go let's visit that then. Let's visit the consumer point of view. Why are people so keen to? do these things even though they're completely different to how we used to be? Well, I think to some people, they, they don't have access to the internet. And so they've not been able to buy stuff online. Uh, some people might prefer going to the shops. Um, but actually, I do think it is different. I think people now queue and expect to queue two metres apart because that's what people do. Twelve weeks ago, trying to get people to queue two metres apart was quite difficult. Now we just do it instinctively. So, okay, people 
do want to go and, and, and go shopping, but people are pretty careful. Mm. It's a difficult thing to... I, I mean, I know that this wasn't in Portsmouth, and I, but I, I, did, I saw videos of, of you know, loads of people barging into shops in in yeah. London. I think it was. I think there were a few in Birmingham as well. It, it is going to be something that's. It, it's not going to be something that is really can be regulated, is it? Well, but it, but it is. Um, we had a big fight with Primark on Monday because they had this enormous queue, and most shops have been really responsible and have got security staff in to manage their queues. Primark refused. Until, um, until we went to the press and told the press how badly Primark were behaving, at which point they got people in to manage their queues. So, so I think retail, most retailers are pretty good. Uh, when I go to the co-op, there is somebody there managing that queue. Um, I, and, and I think most people, retailers have been really, really good. And how have how what's the feedback been from the smaller business owners that you know the independent businesses that have so desperately waited yeah. for waited for this week to reopen? Um, I don't know a lot because um, my other half is shielded, so I don't go out. Mm. Um, I think people are pleased. Some people have gone under, um, but there there are different problems for different people of how to keep going. I think the the big test is going to be when the hospitality sector is allowed to open next month um so how will pubs restaurants bars cafes cope you think that i'll just stop you you think that will definitely be able to go ahead yes i'm pretty sure it'll go okay. ahead um i i think there will be rules about how many people can be in indoor spaces sure uh, and so what we'll have to do at the council to help people um who who have a restaurant or, or or a cafe, whatever, is to create more space for them to be able to run their business, and that means potentially allowing people to put um, tables and chairs out um, outside their premises. Probably not on the pavement because people have got to queue and get up and down, but maybe take out some car parking so that a cafe can can actually be viable by people sitting outside. Is there anything that the the, the council can do to to help these businesses? Because because uh, so many of them are having to, you know, that they're already struggling financially, and then they've got yeah. to go and buy all this, you know, extra, uh, you know, extra assets and whatnot to try and help them. Can you do anything to help them? I, I, I think people will want to go and buy their own tables and chairs because they'll want the stuff that reflects the sort of business they are. Mm. But the way we can help them, and, and it'll upset some people, is by taking car parking out to make space for um, people to be able to, uh, for small businesses to be able to have tables and chairs outside um, so that they can be viable, they can get a bit of money in. Mm. I want, I, I, I do, I do fit, we're going to talk to um, to Gunworth Keys a little bit later on and yeah. find out how they, because I know that obviously when you own a big area like that, it's, it's much easier yeah. to sort of regulate it and to put, put plans in place than for the small businesses. Um, we, we've, we're a bit pushed for time, so I'm just going to ask you what, one more thing, um, and I'm, and I'm going to throw you in the deep end a little bit here, Gerald. Gerald. Uh, one final thing before you go. After these, these 12 weeks, we're, as we're reflecting, how would you, after after all of this is blown over, how would you like to see our key workers thanked? Big question, I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's so, so I've been asked to nominate people to get awards from the Queen, MBEs, OBEs, or whatever. Mm. And so I've suggested to some people. But, but if anybody knows somebody who's done outstanding service, let me know. 
Um, I know the cathedral wants to do a sort of a service of thanksgiving to say thank you to people for the way in which they've worked. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure we're in the era of raising statues to people anymore. But we need to have some way of saying a thank you. But, but the key workers, one of the things we've really learned out of this is we thought key workers might just mean doctors and nurses. We've learned that it means the cleaner, keeping the ward clean. It means the person working in the shop who still kept the serving us so that we've got something to eat. It means the people making the food so there's something in the shop. It's the guys who deliver the fish and chips to the people who are shielded. Yeah. Um, so, so we've, I think, learned how important lots of different people are in making sure that our country um, carries on and exists in the way it has done. So, I, I don't quite know how we should we should remember them, but but it's it is remembering huge numbers of people who've had an amazing impact on 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 people's lives. Absolutely. Well, but you can uh, you can let let us know. Chat me chat me a message if you ever and think of anything. Even radio DJs keeping us happy. Well, it's been it's been a, it's been a laugh. Other other than this, where I have to be serious, it's it's, it's been very difficult for my attention span. But I've I've, done, I've just about making my way through the hour at the moment, enjoying it. Uh, Gerald, thanks so much as always. Appreciate your time. No, no problem. Bye. Local radio for Portsmouth. This is Express FM. This time of year, usually, schools would not only still be full of current students, but of course, potential students would be looking around and open days would be taking place. But with social distancing difficult to implement, staff at St. Vincent's College in Gosport have been creating a series of online resources and forums for its first ever Click and Meet, which launches this Monday, uh, 22nd of June. Going to talk more about that now with the principal of St. Vincent's Sixth Form Chuck, uh, College got in Gosport. Uh, Andy Grant. Andy, welcome. Hello, thank you very much. Nice to meet you, Robbie. We'll get on to the um we'll get on to the click and meet in just a second, Andy. But first up, how was the lockdown communicated to you twelve weeks ago? Was it something that you just found out through the TV or did you have prior knowledge to it? Well, the first, obviously, the college were aware was in early March that there may be a need to consider some kind of reduced provision uh, on site as news spread about the the measures to curb uh, the spread of COVID-19. Um, the actual notification for us uh, was, was the public notification. That's the first time we were formally aware of any plans to close. And it gave us essentially 48 hours notice of the need to move from what we were providing, which was fully on-site classroom-based delivery to um, a virtual digital platform, uh, which obviously wasn't very much time at all. And and the sad part, really, was our students who finished college this year, the students that were working towards their final qualifications, exams and assessments, only had two days uh, to say farewells to their teachers, to, to sort of end their time at college really so it's quite heartbreaking at that point but i've got to give credit to all of the staff and all of the students who uh, were excellent throughout and have been really supportive throughout this whole process the staff uh, i i I'm, I'm not qualified to know much about teacher training or anything but a staff taught you know much about uh, about how to teach you know digitally and and i mean obviously it's something I'm, I'm i'm just as sick as of the term unprecedented as everyone else is but you know is it something that staff staff knew how to do before are they are they sort of learning on the job a little bit as well as everyone else is at the moment 
Yeah, there is, a, there is quite a big element of learning on the job. I think we, we did have the benefit of staff going through some training um, in advance of lockdown. Uh, it's not part of what you generally would train as a teacher. Those currently training as teachers won't necessarily have been taught um, the intricacies of how you develop and approach teaching in a very different way. It's more really the reciprocal element of teaching. So in a classroom, you've got a teacher that can engage students in, in discussions. You can respond off each other with regards to learning. And there's also the opportunity to take advantage of naturally occurring opportunities for learning to discuss broader themes outside of your curriculum area, whether that's social issues. The Black Lives Matter, for an example, is a, is a key one that, that would have been quite sort of a, a major part of what we did within the college in recent weeks but online it's a little bit more challenging because you have to focus your teaching very specifically and it's harder then to support the individual needs of students if you're working with 12 students all independently working at home you can't just maybe sit down you know, privately with the student and talk through an issue or a problem that they may have that requires um, a little bit more nuance and um, and support in relation to how you do that so it is different and it has been difficult but uh, staff have They've learnt along the way. We've stumbled and tripped. I think as a lot of people have, we've learnt from things that haven't worked well and tried new things. But generally, it's it's gone quite well. Mm. Interesting what what you mentioned there about the sort of the fact that you know suddenly students maybe with the fact that they're not going to have any you know any exams maybe you know it is an opportunity to learn about stuff that isn't not, isn't on the curriculum because they don't have to worry about you know specifically sticking to stuff that they know that they're going to get you know examined on they can they can learn a little bit more for example about like you said about you know the black lives matter movement about coronavirus about a global pandemic that the sort of i suppose there are positives to come out of this there are, and, and we took a very conscious decision that after May half term, uh, the majority of our students were not going to continue with their core learning. So let's, for example, say a student studying law wouldn't continue studying their law subject this side of the summer break. We focused our learning on what we what's referred to as the I Can, I Am program which is a resilience package and it's more focused about welfare and ensuring that students have a greater understanding of their role in supporting the families themselves and others during this sort of unprecedented period this is, so we've moved more to a i suppose a, a personal and social learning um opportunity than than the curriculum at this time uh, we think the curriculum is an area that students can catch up on and can do over the summer it's more really about how you support people through something that they've never experienced before and hopefully will never experience again how do you ensure their mental health is good how do you ensure they're looking after each other do they understand the consequences if they were to not follow social distancing and such it's, it's those learning elements that we felt were really key and that's part of our strategy for this part of the uh, the summer term Mm. And let's come on to, to the sort of the, the summer term and, and looking forward to the rest of the year then and the, and the flow of students in it, in and out to the college. Um, tell us about Click and Meet and, and, and the, the sort of the purpose of it behind it. And I, I suppose why, you know, why this is needed and because and it is quite a crucial thing, isn't it, for, for, for students and also for staff? Well, the Click and Meet event um, has sort of morphed really from what we would have traditionally had which were open events um, at the college where prospective students both uh, teenagers due to leave school and adults could come to visit the college find out about the courses that we offer look at the facilities talk to staff and students and find out more about what we can do to enrich not only their education experience but their life to support their aspirations in the absence of that we felt it was really important that while students 
aren't at school or they don't maybe have the structure and support that they would have within a school environment that they had access to the advice and guidance that's key for them making informed decisions about their future so essentially click and me is taking that um uh, offer uh, and moving it online so students are going to have or potential students will have the opportunity to engage in uh conversations with our careers team to seek advice and guidance about courses that will help them to achieve their careers, answer any questions they've got about their GCSE results, um, gain access and information about the opportunities that, that college can offer, both for 16 to 18 year olds and adult learners as well and enable us to engage in our community in a different way so it's something we're really excited about and it's not something we've done before um, and we're quite overwhelmed actually by the response we've had already although the event doesn't go live till next week we've already had queries and such come through for our career team to talk to a student um, about about their future, how they get onto a certain course at university, what's the courses they'd need to take if they want to be a firefighter or scientist, etc. So it's about providing information that will then enable people to make an informed choice about what they do with their futures. And, and you mentioned that there'd been a yeah, that there'd been a uh, a lot of interest initially. But what do you think is going to be the the, the long term impact on on further education? I know it's a, I know it's a bit a big question, but what do you, what what is your gut? at the moment telling you well i think there's different challenges for different groups and for school leavers so students in year 11 that um will leave school without having sat exams will be given a center assessed grade which will then inform what courses they can then take at college for them they would have been out of education potentially up to six months so the first part of the, the academic year for them is going to be about supporting them to reintegrate into a college environment and that may be some continuation of distance learning through online forums but where possible we want students back in college there's no substitute for for a student being in a classroom with their peers with their friends with their teacher sharing experiences learning together um, and that's definitely something we want to move forward with um, dependent on the guidance that's issued by the government at the time so that's what we're working towards is the hope that students will return to college in September but with a plan that if that's not able to happen in in full reality that there is an opportunity for us to blend a program which offers the best of both worlds. Well good, good luck with it I'm, I, I know it must be such a such a difficult time for those students that are having to make those sort of decisions at the moment but I'm sure it'll be a big big help so um, Andy thanks so much for being on the show this evening and chatting to us. No you're very welcome thank you very much you take care. Andy Grant, the principal of St. Vincent's Sixth Form College in Gosport. Find out more about their Click and Meet campaign that kicks off on Monday. It's stvincent.ac.uk. Premier League football is back this evening. It's Aston Villa versus Sheffield United in a game that kicked off at six o'clock. That game nil-nil. Uh, that is one of the leagues that has restarted. The other leagues in England have not. Haven't and Waterlooville play in the sixth tier of English football and they sat second in the league when the season came to a halt and up until now the playoffs have not been an option uh, for resuming the season on the resolution paper um, and Haven't and Waterlooville as of Friday teamed up with York City to try and lobby to promote two teams this season and Henry Deacon is our over the white line host local sport expert and also part of the media team at Haven't and Waterlooville and he spoke earlier this week to Mason Jordan on Portsmouth Breakfast about how this came about about. We found out the end of March that set three to seven that Gosport, Moneyfield, uh, Porchester, Baffins, etc. They're all null and void. So those seasons effectively were, were, were scrubbed from the system. But then we had this, we had the situation with having some Waterlooville, who 
had their season ended but had no outcome until Thursday. So we had to wait till the EFL had an outcome and then a resolution came through. Uh, the resolution said that only one team would be relegated from the National League down and that only the champions of the North and South would go up, meaning that having in second wouldn't even have a chance to at least have a playoff. Now, us and York then on Friday came together, started a joint campaign called Promote 2, uh, saying that playoffs should happen. We, uh, they, the National League said that the government said we can play. Our local MP, Alan Matt, then wrote two. Uh, the government and the government said that it, they they never gave any recommendation and in fact it's down to the league to decide if we can play um, or not. So we campaigned all weekend to try and get the second playoff spot, if not promotion and second place team, which have and are. And um, then last night we came the good news that the playoffs have now been put on the on the voting slip, which clubs will vote for from today. Now, with this thing, with like the Premiership and the Championship, that that was, you know, it was a lot safer. People kind of were a bit more trusting about what outcome it w- there would be. Um, but the the lower down the league was the problem of what what you deem an elite athlete. It, it was that the issue that they were trying to overcome as to w- w- what games are safe to go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, I mean, that was probably the biggest issue. We the hurdle we had to overcome was. You know, are step two athletes elite athletes because there are some full-time clubs at our level, but a lot of them are part-time. But what we did get was um, from from the government was uh, a reassurance that if you don't have to be full-time, that an elite athlete is someone that derives an income. Now, every club in our league, whether they're full-time training every day or whether they train a couple of nights a week, derives an income. They all get paid. So players at our level can happen. So as soon as we got that confirmation, we could then go back to the league. Now, we know the playoffs are on the table, but they're not 100% guaranteed to go ahead. The clubs have been told that they've got to pay for testing. Originally, it was quoted around 50000 but we've done our own calculations. Admittedly, we'll be at home for any game we play as the highest-placed team in the playoffs. Um, and we've calculated it around twenty. So we don't think it's going to be as high as those figures. Obviously, we've got the, the issues regarding social distancing, regarding obviously the testing, where we get the test kits, how often we test. And ultimately, because we are the home team, whatever game we play, and we're automatically given a bye through to the semi-finals, we, we, we got to our, you know, behind closed doors matches because uh, 95, 96% is going to be highly unlikely that fans will be able to attend. Now, it is a logistical nightmare, but do you think the, the situation uh, with having a Waterlooville because they've just been rele- they got out to the national league, they've just been relegated? Do you think it's the ambition to bounce back immediately that's really pushing this campaign forward? Absolutely, uh, I think that, that's one thing for certain. We we planned all season for project promotion that was to get promoted, and um, we we said all along when when the season stopped, we felt we were, we were going to catch Willstone for the title. We were in. We were putting together a good run together and they they were just starting to drop a little bit. So I think that's always going to kick us a little bit. Um, but we also thought it was an injustice that the second and third from bottom teams would be saved, mm. effectively, and the teams in second and below wouldn't even have a chance of gaining promotion. And that's why us in York started a campaign. Dorking Wonders in the South League joined us as well. And because... 
we felt that there should be some justice, you know, for, for the, the teams at, at that level. We've worked really hard this season. We've got the results required. You know, we, we if playoffs didn't happen, we've effectively had a season where we could have spent nothing and been in the same position. We could have spent no money, not played a game, would have been in the same predicament. Now, yesterday you did get a little bit of good news, obviously, um, but, but that's not necessarily all done and dusted now, is it? No, so uh, it's on the ballot paper. It needs 17 of 32 votes. The North and South League get four votes for the whole league each. That's eight. And all the National League member clubs have a vote. We're expecting the vote to go through because at this point, clubs just want to get this done and dusted with. The problem will be after that is who's going to play in the playoffs. Now, we've had a commitment from all six clubs in our league to play. However, in the North League, it's a different situation. Gateshead can't afford to play because they've had huge financial troubles. Chester may not be able to play. And you've you've got to have a minimum of four teams to play the playoffs. Mm. Now, if one more team drops out, it can't be played in the north. And then what happens from there on in, no one knows. So so I suppose the ambition is to keep it as, kind of as, as simple as possible, but as as open to as many teams as possible. Um, when, when will we find out what, what, what will be happening? Is there a set date for a, a sort of an answer to all of this? So uh, we were given the voting slips last night. Um, we've been told to start voting. I believe voting stops uh, tomorrow night at six pm. So I'm expecting um, I'm expecting a decision either tomorrow or Thursday. Um, fingers crossed, we'll have a lot a lot more clarity. And then we're hoping as soon as it it goes through, and we're fully expecting it to go through, that we'll then get um, more confirmation on what procedures will go a- go ahead as far as players are concerned, because. We need to get we need to get back training. Our players are on furlough, so we've got to take them off furlough for the three weeks uh, that the playoffs will take place. Um, you know, we need to get them prepared a couple mm. of weeks to get them prepared, and then because we're in the semi-finals, we'll only play over over a week maximum, two games maximum. So we need to get them, obviously that that uh, going to happen. Obviously, we need to find out how the testing procedures work and how. How we're going to stage games? Well, I mean, we're lucky because we don't have to travel anywhere. But we're going to play Slough or Dart from the semi-final. It's how they're going to travel down in in a safe environment because they're not going to be protected in these bubble-like situations that the the Premier League will be in. Express FM. Now, non-essential shops could reopen uh, around the country, around England, as of this week. And we want to chat to as many local businesses as we can between now and seven o'clock. We'll kick off talking to Debbie Watts, the director of the Wine Bank in Leon Solon. Evening, Debbie. Hello. Uh, so talk to us about how you uh, normally operate, not, in, uh, not, not amongst the global pandemic. How, how do things normally work at the Wine Bank? Um, yeah, so we just work as the wine merchant, um, specialising in wines that you won't find in the supermarkets. Um, so, you know, really good quality wine, um, probably at, at, at budget prices as well. So we, we cater for all sorts of, you know, customers. Um, we do, um, we've got a wall of gins. We've got over over, over 130 gins. Um, we do various spirits, other spirits like uh, vodkas, um, rums, specialist rums. And we try to do a lot of local, um, mm. like, from the local distilleries as well, so which is to, to help them out. So I imagine, so uh, you, you were like many other businesses, and you had to, I imagine, had to close up until this week, was it? 
No, I didn't actually. I was one of the very lucky ones. So um, they said that off licenses, we did close for the first week and I was just doing a few deliveries in the evenings. Mm. Um, and then they said that off licenses could open. So I classed myself as an off license for the last two and a half months. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that I could get out there and um, obviously sort of help the general public with their wine deliveries and gin deliveries and things like that. So I was doing a lot of that on my own. I furloughed, furloughed my staff. Um, so they had a nice rest um, for two and a bit months. And I did um, everything on my own with, um, you know, sort of deliveries, opening the shop on various hours. So we lowered the hours in the shop um, and I opened um, a couple of evenings a week and then did sort of afternoons. And I just stretched it out, really, and then did um, afternoon deliveries and evening deliveries, which worked really, really well. I see. So, so you basically just sort of varied your, your sort of your your methods of of supply, I suppose. So, so th- then, as yeah. of this week, have you come back to normal? Yes. So, as of well, as of last week, the beginning of June, actually, we um, I got my staff back off furlough um, because obviously we were allowed to be open anyway from right from mm. the beginning. So they came back off furlough. So, uh, so now we're just building um, and the hot where we're in the high street. It's been absolutely fantastic. The cust- local customers have been amazing. Um, and let's hope that that continues, you know, on into the future, really. And they keep using the high street because it's been extremely busy down in Leon Solent. How's it? How, how's it been to implement the, the the regulations in your in your store? Yeah, it's been okay actually. I have got two meter sort of um, cordons off sort of by the till. I've got hand gel as people come in with the sign up, you know, um, saying please use hand uh, hand sanitizer if you're going to be touching the products. Um, and everybody just, you know, they just use it. The customers, are, I think everybody just seems to get used to doing things like this now. So mm. it's becoming second nature, I think, to everybody. So, and how how were yeah. your, how were your staff about coming back off furlough, coming back into work, having to sort of see people again? How how, how what was the, what's the reaction been from them? They they couldn't wait to get back. That's <laughs> so, good. Um, they, that's good. they enjoy their job. Um, so, you know, sort of meeting customers, and, and that's what it's all about, giving the service um, to the local people. So, Of course. And I, I imagine it, it must have been, demand throughout this must have been must have been pretty good for you because, I mean, we, we, we have statistically, we've all been dr- drinking more alcohol throughout the last <laughs> few months, haven't we? Absolutely, yes. I, I mean, my sales, have, they have gone up over the last couple of months. Um, we were quite really, really quiet, sort of January and February, and then March hit, and we sort of went into this pandemic, and everybody mm. seemed to want wine and gin and, and that, and obviously the weather was beautiful, so you know it was in the garden with a gin and tonic and, and that. So, um, so yeah, sales sales have been really good for us actually. So, well, it's good. It's it's nice to hear of the local businesses that have that have had a bit of a you know spike in demand, or as it has Absolutely. been over the last few months. So I'm I'm pleased, Debbie. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for chatting to us, and uh, and good luck with the next next few months as we try and drink a little bit less. I'm I'm going to try my hardest, but uh, but I hope for you that people keep drinking. <laughs> Thank you very much, Robbie. Thank you, Debbie Watts, the director of the Wine Bank in Leon Solom. We've got Anne, uh, the owner of Angel Eye Care, and you've been open throughout lockdown. I have, yes. I have a, a small independent opticians up in North End in Portsmouth. Um, and initially we were open just for urgent cases, you know, sort of site threatening stuff, um, mm. which we would deal with and triage and potentially send up to hospital and repairing glasses. Lots and lots of children with lots and lots of broken glasses. Um, generally, a lot of fighting with siblings, I think, went on at the very start. I see. So, so, so I'm, I'm, it sounds like it's been a busy, busy few months, actually, then. It has been very busy. Um, for myself, I furloughed all my staff. Mm. And so it's just really been me 
So I've been doing lots of home deliveries for people that can't actually come out. So I've taken their spectacles round to them. And if they need something repaired, I've gone round to the house and picked it up and repaired it and taken it back and, you know, that type of thing. So it's been, I've been out and about quite a lot. I've found all the little back streets in Portsmouth now. Wow, we, we, we've we've been hearing from local business owners throughout you know throughout the the show today, and, and what what strikes me is is similar to what you said there how you how it suddenly becomes a you know one person business, and 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 but how's it how's it been genuinely for you over the last sort of twelve weeks as it's been since we since we came onto lockdown? How how are you? How, you know, as as a business owner, um, well. Initially, it, I, I think we all felt it was only going to last for a few weeks. That was my initial feeling. And, you know, that's how that's all this stuff was probably about a month and then it would all be back to normal. But we were very naive back then, I think. Mm. Um, it's been quite lonely on my own. I'd say we did utilize the time quite well. We've redecorated. We've done lots of things within the business, in the practice itself to make it better um, because we've never had this amount of time before that we could actually do this sort of thing. So we've sort of kept ourselves busy in that respect, but actually working alone without my little team with me, I, I, I haven't really liked it very much being completely on my own. And when when do you when do you sort of um, envisage that the, the the end will be for you, for you? Have you got any of your staff off furlough yet, or is there no, any? No, not yet. Um, we are very much controlled by NHS England, and this morning we've just had the announcement that we can now actually return to what's termed routine eye care rather than just emergency and essential eye care. So basically, it's I've got a, a long list of people that want to be seen that weren't urgent, but were just feeling, you know, it's time and I'd like to come. So I've got to get them all back in. Um, my staff will be coming back to me on the 1st of July because I can unfurlough them on um, the sort of part-time basis at that stage because I can't bring them back full-time because we won't have enough to, to do. And there is no there is no cash flow available yet. So we've got to do it. We've got to start back up quite cautiously and, and what, see how it goes. What's the, what's the, the, the customer experience going to be now then for those that are coming in for routine appointments? Because it's, you know, it's not really, I, I'm trying to think, it's, it's not a sort of as hands-on or as physical as something like the dentist is. But equally, sometimes, you know, I've, I go for contact lens checkups and everything and, and, and you know, the are in contact get, people. We get very, very close. Yeah. When we're actually testing somebody's eyes, when we're actually looking physically into the eye in a sight test, we will be just a couple of millimetres away from your face. So things are very different in the consulting room now. We've obviously all got PPE. We've got very attractive face shields to wear. We've got masks. We've got gloves. Um, there are certain procedures that we're not able to carry out at present. All of the equipment that we get you to look into has now got breath shields on it to ensure that, you know, when we're getting close with the equipment, the breath is controlled. Um, and on some bits of kit, you have to, obviously, you have to wear a face mask throughout the entire test, as do we. And where's so, that? Yeah. Where's this kit come from? Oh, I've bought it. <laughs> you had to buy it. You, have you had any help? Yes. Not. No, not yet. Not yet. The not NHS yet. may the, the NHS may be helping us in the future, but at the moment, if I want to start my business up again, then I need to have it in situ. 
And of course, so many things that we did that we didn't think about um, when you're taking certain tests, we put an eye patch on you, which was just um, a, a cord around the back of the head and a patch. Can't use those anymore because, of course, they're multi-use. So we've had to come out with something different to use, little particular individual patches that are disposable. I think there's going to be a horrific amount of wastage now. Because every piece of equipment we have, we have to, after someone has been had their sight test, we have to completely disinfect the entire room and clean all the equipment. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, and every time we're doing that, there's so much, the, the cloths that we're using and everything like that is all going to be thrown away, as are the masks and the, the gloves. So we're going to create an incredible amount of wastage now, which is a little bit frightening, but I'm sure we'll find some ways around it. Um, as time progresses. But at this moment in time, I can just see basketfuls of Clinel wipes everywhere as we wipe everything down. But well, we got we we have to hope it doesn't undo the the good work that has has been done <laughs> with, with the environment over the last few few weeks of us all being that, in lockdown. Is, really, yeah, and I think we I think we're all going to be using more stuff like that, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're we're going to be using the face masks and we have to dispose of them. It's uh, different. <laughs> we're, it, the roles are changing, aren't they? And we're we're becoming uh, we're having to become ever more vigilant in the in the way that we we sort of run these things. So I I, yeah. I can only imagine that it must be a such a tough task. But Anne, thanks for thanks for coming on the show and chatting to us, and um, and good luck. I hope things I hope things go well in the in the in the coming weeks and months as we get out of this. That's very kind. I'm very positive about the future because we've had so many lovely Good. comments from people that have come in. So yeah, I think it will all be fine, but it just might be a. It's going to be a bumpy start, I think. Bumpy Thank start you, is, well, is, a, is a good way to sum up. And thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye now. And from Anne Gill, I care in Hillsea. Of course, it's not just local and independent businesses. Uh, shopping centres like Gunwharf Keys have been able to open this week as well. Uh, we got Yvonne from Gunwharf Keys on the line. Hi, Yvonne. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Lovely to be here. I imagine, um, I mean, Monday was, was I imagine, a big day and a, and a stressful day for, for, lo- for local businesses, for independent businesses, I imagine, and, and you know, shops on their own opening. But for, for a place like Gunwharf, with, with so many shops and such a sort of a large area, I imagine, um, I, I imagine it was quite a, quite a big relief to see it all go well on, on Monday. It certainly was, yes. I mean, we'd obviously put a huge amount of planning in place and we felt we got every precaution um, in place to really look after our guests and ensure that that sort of their health and safety was absolutely paramount. Um, But as you say, until we um, reopened the doors and we had guests on site, um, you never quite know how successful your plan is going to be. Uh, and and how was the the decision made to to open? Was it is it a decision that is purely the the shops themselves made the decision to open? Was it that do you all have a have a meeting together? How does that how did that come about? We work very collaboratively with our brand partners here on site, and and really we're here to support them. Um, what came back from them loud and clear was that the majority really wanted to open on that Monday. Um, naturally, being. Um, in a, in a very different way, but uh, but they were keen to open. So of course we were here to support them and to make sure that as a centre um, that 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 could work and, and flows could work well. 
So essentially, they they lead the led the sort of decision making. Of course, once we found out that they could open, but from then they led the the decision making process. And then it's it's just in your in Gunwolf's hands, I suppose, just to implement the the sort of the courtyard areas and the more the more public areas of Gunwolf. Is it? Yeah, I mean, I think we've made the decision that even if only one or two brand partners wanted to open, we would absolutely help them and facilitate that because that's our role here. Mm. Um, so as soon as we'd seen the, the government guidance come out, um, we were keen to do all we could to support and open. So, yeah, uh, and of course, really, we're here to look after every aspect of Gunwolf Key. So to make sure that our brand partners can trade, um, you know, in a way that um, is, is following all of the right government guidance. Um, to ensure that everybody is safe on site. Um, so yeah, from literally from the minute they walk through our gates um, right through until they leave, um, they leave after hopefully a lovely visit. Um, we're there to make sure they're they're safe. And I, I suppose that this is kind of a, the the benefit of of Gunwharf and having a sort of a you know an entire shopping centre run by um, you, you know sort of run run as a as a sort of a, an entity in itself as to the high street because you know we all saw the photos of the, the pictures on on Monday coming out of these long queues and and people not being able to social distance on high streets um, you know around the country and I suppose. Have you able? Are you able to make because it's it's all of your space. It's not just one high street. You're able to actually uh, put in place some plans for social distancing. What's the sort of customer experience as they as they come in? Um, I believe it is probably significantly easier for us to do that because we can curate our space in a slightly different way. Mm. Um, and what we were able to do, which of course a number of high streets and so on would really struggle to do, is, is limit the capacity on the site. So we were very careful from the start to to um, be really mindful of how many people could could really comfortably come to Gunwolf Keys so that social distancing could be maintained at all times. So hence, um, we really looked at what could be done with our car park and what could be done in terms of pedestrians to, to ensure that we didn't have too many people on the site at any given time, which of course, as you say, very, very difficult for a, for a high street to manage that. Yeah, and and... I suppose the, the the sort of other aspect of that is that sh- shopping is quite a sociable um, it's quite a sociable activity to do, isn't it? And we and, and a lot of yeah. people do it, you know, because they like to you know go and have a coffee with their friend and, and make a day of yeah. it and brow- do a yeah. lot of browsing. It is, I suppose, that that element is completely is completely uh, you know ab- obliterated basically of of shopping at the moment. What do what do customers experience when they come into Gunwolf? I assume they're not able to just sort of mull around the way that they normally would. Well, we're certainly keen that they can still have a really enjoyable day out, but it's definitely very different, as you say. Mm. I guess the big difference for us here is that none of our restaurants or, or bars are open. So we do have a few places that are available for sort of some takeaway food, um, you know, some, some coffees and bits and pieces, but it's quite limited. Um, and as you say, you know, what we can't have, of course, are people here in large groups. So it is family units um, that are coming along. But the, the lovely thing is people have said to us how, how they found it really relaxed um, and really very pleasant because numbers are, you know, um, maintained in, 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 and, and we're very careful on that. People have been wonderfully respectful, and people. And so far, long may it continue. The weather has been fantastic. So, you know, mm. our guests here have just been lovely. They have been really kind to each other. They've been following social distancing. Um, it, it's 
it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, so it is different, um, but I think people are expecting it to be different. And um, and people are really enjoying, I think, the opportunity just to get out and, and potentially have a little look around. Um, you know, there's no pressure on them to shop if they don't want to. They can come and have a little look around um, and leave again. We're quite happy with that. So positive from the customer's point of view and the customer feedback, it sounds like it's been positive over the last few days. What about the stores themselves? What's the, what's the feedback been? How are they managing the last few days? Uh, the general feeling I think we've had from our sort of brand partners here is that um, there's, there's quite a sense of relief um, and there's almost been a, a little bit of a buzz. It's, it's just lovely to be reopened again. To be honest with you, you know, all of our brand partners, all of our team on site, we've all had very different experiences during the lockdown and we're very mindful of that. But for the majority of our brand partners here, in fact, I would say all of them, they're really um, genuinely excited to be back and to be opening the doors of their stores, albeit very different, um, you know, with perfect screens up and one-way systems in place and, and social distancing being maintained. But I think there's been absolutely absolute um, excitement about being able to reopen. I feel excited just talking to you, Yvonne, you know, just, well, just sort of well, having these conversations we... again about not <laughs> some, sort of these normal things. It's, not, it's quite reassuring. Oh, I think as well, you know, we're all in retail because we love people. You know, there's, there's no point working in the shop if, if you don't sort of love people. And I think for the majority of us, it's just been fantastic sort of seeing people back. And, and, and it feels, I hope, We've been able to spread a little bit of positivity um, and, and, you know, it's, it's baby steps. Um, you know, who knows where, we're, where we'll end up. But at the moment, as I say, we're, you know, health and safety is, is paramount for us. And that's what we're really focusing on. But it is just lovely to be back and open and, and, and to be seeing people coming in in this lovely weather. It's great. It certainly is. Positive steps. Well, Yvonne, thank you so much for, for coming on the show uh, this evening and chatting to us. And, and good luck for the coming weeks and, uh, and months. Thanks so much. A big thank you to all of my guests this week on the show. Good to hear how some of the local businesses across Portsmouth have managed over a tough few months, that it has to be said. Uh, so good on them, and thank you for coming on the show. Uh, the Coronavirus Special, back next Wednesday, of course, from 6 o'clock. And if you have a question or a query, something you would like answering in future episodes of the Coronavirus Special, you can email me anytime, robbie at expressfm.com.